What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey everyone, it's Rachel Silver Cohen from Unpolished Therapy and Dr. Boca. What's up, Dr. Boca? How you doing? You got me laughing before we even press record. That's awesome. That's good, I guess. I still have my edge. And I'm losing my mind a little bit. So thanks for saying that. It is a crazy time. I know last time we had a sesh, my head was spinning all over the place to judge, to not to judge, what's right, what's wrong, COVID, blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to ask you today, what are people doing in today's world where like culturally speaking, we're starving a little bit, right? We're not going to museums. We're not going to concerts. We're towing the line, if you will. And if we're even going out to dinner, we're not going out to dinner. I mean, what are you doing to stay afloat and keep your mind sponging on to things that fuel your passion? Well, I'm talking to you, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of I mean, course. Well, you forget, I also am a psychologist, so I always have stimulation that way. However, you know, I think the question that you're asking is like, how do we not only self-care, but bring in some culture also? I feed my body by ordering Chinese food. And having a little bit of Indian. No, I'm just kidding. I'm that culture. Listen, food is a passion of mine. So feed me, feed me. No pun intended. But I think you ask a really good question. I find that there's a lot of free time now, which in and of itself for me is novel and is self-care, yeah. right? Because when was the last time I had hours upon hours of free time? But the question is then, what do you do with that free time? And I know for myself, I've read some books. I've watched way more TV than I should ever, ever acknowledge that I've done. I've started pursuing passion projects, as you are well aware, this being one of them. So thank you, COVID. Everyone out there listening, I do encourage passion projects as little as, you know, coming up with something that just makes you feel good for 10, 15 minutes. If it's meditation, if it's listening to a great song or tooling around on the internet for a recipe or, you know, whatever the case may be, or something big and bold and taking a leap of faith like Dr. Boca and I are doing to try to spread a little unpolishedness out to the world in an area that we really had no experience with being a podcast. So whatever it is, I do think from a, I don't know if you call that cultural. Cultural to me. But yeah, and I think that that helps. So what else? So you're doing a little bit of reading. You're doing a lot of bit of watching TV. You're sprinkling in some passion projects. You're helping your patients. I'm hoping I'm helping my patients, but... Well, I don't know that I consider myself a patient. I mean, if I am, I have a great deal because you have not even sent me a bill. <laughs> but I do think you're helping. I know that when we break down some wreckage, albeit big or small, it, it always does make me feel better. So I hope it makes other people feel better too. I think what I have found as well in these last seven, eight, nine months, the lines are a little skewed with the calendar. I don't know where we're at. Um, in March? March. So March to now. And, you know, we're approaching the end of this 2020 hindsightful year. But what are we doing to fill our time? Is there, again, to kind of dovetail on what we talked about last time with the judgment piece is now, and this is my unpolishedness coming out, is what I'm doing with all my downtime enough? Am I being purposeful enough? And is it making a difference? Or is it okay that what I'm doing is watching hours and hours and hours of Netflix? 
I think we have to discuss the Netflix shows because that's in and of itself, that alone is paramount because I need some good shows to binge watch. But I think it goes back to the judgment piece. You're being judgmental of yourself. Yes. You don't have to allot this time to be productive uber productive or start new careers or make millions of dollars, nor do you have to sit here and judge that watching TV is a horrible thing. Also, you know, one of the themes that we keep picking up on with you, again, not therapy. Right. Everyone here, here she goes. Okay. She's going to, she's going to tell me how fucked up I am. But at the same time, then I'm going to jot in here and tell you that in no way does listening to our banter mean that this is real therapy. Because clearly I'm still fucked up. And we're still a practicing, wonderful therapist. So you're not fucked up. Words have power. Okay. But it also speaks again to your extremism. Let's get to the center of this. You can have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and it could be a very productive time at home. So you don't have to be inventing the cure for COVID. That would be amazing though if you did, but... You don't have to be doing that, nor do you have to say that all TV watching is bad. And part of what this is all about is bringing pleasure into our life in a time when most people are feeling down and isolated and scared and miserable and elevating us and creating some new pathways to meaning and success and personal satisfaction, culture, any and all of those things. So I just wanted to chime in and rein you in a little bit. Basically, then you're giving me carte blanche and you're excusing the incessant number of hours of Netflix I've watched in the last nine months or so. And I have to tell you, I'm like annoyed at Netflix because I don't know if anyone else out there got the memo, but apparently Netflix is raising their prices. And I get it because the whole world is watching Netflix. So why not? They have a command audience. This is what it costs. This is what you pay. Supply and demand. Good for them. I feel as though for someone who is, I'm like their A plus customer (laughs) and I feel like there should be some type of like dollar cost averaging, right? Like the more you watch, the less you have to pay. I'm such a junkie with the Netflix that I don't even know what was life before Netflix. No commercials. I can pause when I want. If I have to go to the bathroom, you don't have to race home. Oh my God, did I VCR or DVR or whatever those initials are. So Netflix has become my friend through this COVID crisis. People ask me all day long, Rachel, give me some suggestions. You have the best suggestions. What are you watching? You know, what do you like? What do you don't like? I want to ask you though, like what have you been watching? And let's talk about it a little bit. So I jump around. I'm not a Netflix whore. I am such a whore. I'm a whore in that I jump around to other platforms, but I'm within Netflix and I watch a few, but I then go around to Hulu and Amazon. We just totally... You're like slutty sluts scene with with all the parties. All the parties, exactly. And because, you know, they come up with options. And the other thing that, you know, I've had a, a cool opportunity to do is I've gotten to watch my shows, but I found a way to find things that my children can watch with me. And so that's been fun also during COVID. My daughter likes to bake. So we watch some of the baking shows. I have a true confession. I know, sit back, but I watched 11, I think it's 11 seasons of Grey's when I was back in the day where you could only watch one episode a week because that's the only time it was on. Right. And like, think about that though, like just from like the therapy mindset on that, where we are in our world today, that everyone is so 
instantly gratified with what they can get at their fingertips at any given moment. To go online and buy something on Amazon Prime and then boom, the next day it's there. What that high is like, Mm -hmm. if you take it from your perspective, from your craft, where we've come as a culture that back in the day, your Grey's Anatomy days, you had to wait. Seven days? Seven days. Seven days with a cliffhanger? Are they going to die? Are they going to fuck? Are they going to get fired? Are they Yes, gonna- yes, and yes. Every episode. <laughs> I'm sweating and I have anxiety just thinking about all of the litany of shows that I watch where it's hour after hour after hour. One more, one more, one more. I'm up till two, three o'clock in the morning. If I had to wait to find out what the cliffhanger was in today's world, well, oh my. Worse than that. I mean, think about it. We've aged so much that I can't remember what happened from one episode to another. (laughs) Jay, I agree with you on that. I have some friends who are so backlogged on some of the recos I've given them. I'm so happy that they enjoy the suggestions I've given them, but they'll call and they'll want to talk about it. And I'm like, dude, that was like 17 shows ago for me. Call someone else. I don't remember. And I have the situation where I'll watch, like, I'm just going to use an example, Billions. And I'm obsessed with it, right? Because I can identify with one of the characters in there, right? And then the season ends. And then it comes back on six, eight, 10 months later, 12 months, whatever it is. And I have to rewatch the whole season because I don't remember what the hell happened because I've watched a hundred other shows. I've been a mother. I've been a therapist. I have everybody's life story in my head. And it's like so frustrating to me. And I would ask you this though, because, or maybe you're just a lot busier than I am because I agree with you that you're like, wait a second, where did we leave off? Because so much has happened both in the fictional world and in our non-fictional world as well. But for me, the recap is kind of all you really need. You really need to rewind that far back, Lori. Rewind that far back on only some shows. Some shows where they're not technical, you know, like Billions is not an industry that I know a lot about. So there's a lot of fast moving language and fast concepts. And it's more my husband's industry. I'm feelings, I'm emotions, I'm interpersonal relationships. You're warm and fuzzy and acts is cutthroat and money-making. and Yeah, it's just my brain goes off in those things. So those are harder for me. But if you ask me about other shows, I would tell you. Did you watch Dr. Foster? I did Netflix? not. Oh, maybe put that down on your list. So Dr. Foster, there's only a couple seasons. A lot of times when people ask me like, what are you watching? The first question I'll ask them is like, well, how invested do you want to be? Are you looking for seven, eight seasons worth of something that you could really stick your teeth into, but you've got to commit? Or do you want just two or three seasons? Still, it's juicy and good and a pack a punch. So you have to weigh that out. But Dr. Foster is a therapist, married, definitely twists and turns. It's, I believe that it's in England, I want to say. I love some of the foreign stuff. I I think it's great, a little bit edgier. And I don't want to give too much away, but as a therapist, I think you'll like it. Another, this is kind of way back when, in treatment. Have you seen in treatment, Lori? Yeah. Very good, right? Yes. Do you think that a show like that is realistic in the sense that there's so many patient doctor conflicts or identity shifts where a patient falls in love with a therapist. That was intense for me, that show. I think they did a relatively good job in that show. It's been a long time since I watched it. I watched it when it came out. I believe I had that anxiety where I had to wait till the next week to watch the show. I felt a really good portrayal of some instances of therapy. 
And I was drawn into it. I enjoy that voyeurism of watching those types of things. And if you're looking for a book recommendation, that's the same concept. Maybe you should talk to somebody by Lori Gottlieb. Wonderful book. It's about... I I loved it. Yeah. I loved every iota of it to the point where... And I don't know if our listeners, if they're readers or they're TV watchers or whatever, you seem like you're a little bit of both. I am too, but I definitely sway more to the TV watching than than the reading, sadly. just I want the distraction, but I also don't want to think so much. So I haven't read nearly as much, but I did read. Maybe you should talk to someone. And I loved it so much to the point that I was in awe that she started out like in medical school because, right, that she wanted to be a surgeon or physician or something along those lines. I remember having little side conversations with friends of mine and I was so taken with her that I thought it was a great book and I loved it and I preferred it also to many people. Good news. It's going to be a TV show. Oh, it is? Yeah. Well, how though? Like a TV series or... I did not get the memo. I read it someplace. (laughs) And so remain hopeful and we'll see. I have no more information than that. Well, I want to give you a suggestion on something that is a little bit more timely. I know in treatment, you know, we talking about that, we were dovetailing it off of my suggestion that you should watch Dr. Foster. But one of the things that I love about shows, even though a lot of it is escapism for me, and it is literally flipping the light switch of reality off and fantasy world on, I like to dive into shows that are so far out of the realm of anything that is in my real life. I mean, Ozark, I I don't know that... So good, right? But okay. but the chances of us, you know, living that life is slim to none. And thank God, fortunately, I don't want Ruth coming after me with a shotgun, right? I mean, that's just the last thing I'm looking for, okay? But one of the things that I do love about some of the shows where they're more documentary-based or autobiographical or, or, or whatnot is I, I recently just finished and binged to boot um, The Queen's Gambit. Oh, so good. So good. If we were Siskel and Ebert, we're giving it 14 thumbs up, right? Hands and feet, 20 thumbs up. Remarkable. Like, so yes, we're, we're, I wouldn't call us masters in podcasting. Okay, we're hardly masters at at this at all. But I now want our next little project to be learning how to play chess. I'm in. Because I was so taken with the story and so moved by it. And I am the type of person, again, my personality is I cry depending on how the wind blows. But I was drawn in immediately. I didn't want it to end. I sobbed at the end for reasons that obviously we don't want to blow it if anyone you know wants to take up our recos. But the thing that I'm the most impressed with is when a show moves me. I try to do a little bit research on the back end. I don't want to know too much on the front end because I don't want to be either underwhelmed or overwhelmed depending on what I've read. But on the back end, I did some reading because I loved it so much. And the thing that also makes me want to recommend this to whoever's listening even more so is that the reviews I read were so geared towards the validity and how accurate the chess world is and how it was portrayed. And especially, of course, from a female perspective as a chess player, that I just loved it even more than I did without even reading all the reviews. I think it's amazing. I think anyone who's so well-versed in their craft and they do it with such expertise is something I'm in awe of because I think I'm kind of more of like a jack of all trades as opposed to a master of one. And when you watch a show that's so well done about a craft that you know nothing about, it just makes you want to dive in. It was remarkable. And along those lines, another one that's not about a craft per se, but more of about a culture, religion, however you wanted to find it for that, is unorthodox. 
if you haven't seen that one, that's a great, great, great story as well. So let me quiz you. So just your first thought, do you think I watched it or do you think I haven't watched that one? I don't think you've watched it. Wrong. Oh man. Lori, I'm telling you, Netflix should hire me as like their poster child. Okay. (laughs) But to your point, I loved it. I watched it. I was drawn in. Not only was I so drawn in, but even on that one too, at the end, I don't know if you caught the making of the conversations with the directors and the writers and the cast and what they had to do and how to make that as authentic as it truly was. It was. It was. So yes, that's a great one that I loved. And again, you weren't committed so much. It wasn't that many episodes. It was four. It was almost too short. I wanted more. Yeah, you wanted a little more. Yeah, I love that one. Another one, and just to kind of go back to like a therapy thing for you, because this is a new one. And if you haven't seen it, I would love your thoughts on it. This is more mainstream. It's either HBO or Showtime. I don't know. But The Undoing. I've heard about it from several people because of a therapist in it, but I have not seen it. So again, I won't give anything away. I'm not going to ruin a plot twist or whatnot. And there's only one or two episodes that have even dropped. Is that what they call it? I don't know. I thought um, it was come out, but I guess not. Well, I mean, dropped, come out, you know, come out of the closet. I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. Maybe that's why it's not called come out anymore. I don't know. No, I don't know. But Nicole Kidman is the lead character. Hugh Grant is her husband. Upper East Side, fancy schmancy. We'll leave it at that with a lot of like, <gasps> and jaw dropping and you've got to be kidding. And I didn't see that coming. It's worth watching from, again, the diving out of our real world and into a fantasy world. Now with you though, that may be a little hypocritical because I have some friends who don't want to watch shows about their craft or career. There's another show and it's on a rogue channel about oh, maybe it's called The Restaurant or I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on exactly what it's called. But it's about being young and being in the restaurant business when you're a kid at a college in New York City. And like, to me, that's so my vibe. I've worked in a zillion different restaurants and I hustled and bustled and the whole culture of like working in that restaurant. It's like you have like your own little family. Oh, sugar and spice or I don't know. I think I'm getting it wrong, but, but I'll get back to you on it. Anyway, so I had recommended it to a friend of mine who's in the restaurant business. And he was like, the last thing I want to do when I'm home and, and I've clocked out of work is watch a show about work. So I don't, maybe I'm giving you unpolished advice here that you should watch what you know. I don't know. I think some things speak to you, some things don't. I'm sure if we went through our entire list of what we've watched, that you're more in you know, your genre A to C and I'm F to whatever H, but we overlap in a couple of them. I mean, I think that good shows are good shows. Yeah. They really are. I love shows that make you think, that make you laugh, that make you cry. It's like cats right? It's better than cats. I laughed. I cried. But I'll tell you what, there was a show and and I know it's getting a lot of hype and buzz and all that. And and I was late to the game on it. But Schitt's Creek, I have to tell you, Lori, you gotta watch. I watched. I I fought it because I thought it was like silly and it it wasn't clever and it just was annoying. But the timing, and, and this is what I'll leave you with on this. In this COVID culture world where we're all anxious and uptight and we can't get out of our own way most of the time, this show came at the right time for me because it's been around forever and I never could get into it. And life had gotten in the way of just other more serious things in my world and I couldn't really focus on anything. I dove in now and it was the best thing for me because... It was better than Cats. 
It made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me think. The characters are still avant-garde and out there, but it's clever. It's witty. The comedic timing is brilliant. Once again, when it was over, I, I felt a little bit of a loss. These characters become our friends. They do. They do. I mean, do. I, down that wreckage? Am, am I crazy? Or would other patients tell you that too? No, I think people are looking for connection. I think people are looking at escapism. I think people want to not deal with a lot of the things that are happening in their own lives and that they find other people that they can resonate with. Look at us when we were, when we were younger. Wasn't friends. They were our friends, right? Those characters were our friends. We looked forward to following. We literally had conversations about what would they do, right? And you connect with something. Uh, uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Like I'm really dating us, but the original, not the newer one, right? Which I did watch the reboot. I watched a few, couldn't get into it, just like I couldn't get into Shit's Creek. But if you're giving it such a high mark, I will try again. I am, but I have to tell you what I just thought of. And again, this is some wreckage you need to break down for all of us because the first thing that came to my mind, and maybe this is just how the world has evolved, but maybe in such an unpolished way, is that you just said, when we were kids, remember, friends was our friends and we connected with them and identified and, and we wanted to know what's happening with Rachel and Ross. And like, you know, those were our people. Same thing, 90210, fine. And all of that genre. But now as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, okay, so what the fuck is wrong either with me or this world that my friends now are the guys on Fauda? Okay. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> my, if there's one person who I'm allowed to deviate okay. from my husband, it is him. Okay. Oh my so, God. All right. So these are Israeli... Uh, Alicia, who are taking down terrorists, uh, right? So like, those are our friends? Yes. Okay, I'm watching, okay, so Kingdom about, you know, mixed martial artists who are drug addicts, psychotic lunatics who are junkies and tatted up and they're unreliable. I mean, those are my friends? Okay, what does that say about me? What other shows am I, are we watching? We're talking about therapists who are totally deranged and having affairs with their patients and they're driving themselves insane or queen of the South. Now my friends are female drug lords, okay? Or Ozark, Ruth. We're friends. Ruth is a friend of mine. I want to have her over for dinner. She's got to wear a mask because I don't know <laughs> what she's been. But what does that speak to? Even just the culture, what we're watching on television and that we are so sucked in. Even Bobby Axelrod, okay? I want to hang out with Bobby Axelrod yep. and I want to make sure I'm on the right side of Bobby Axelrod. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's several folds. I think the maturity of TV, just like our kids are growing up much faster and in a much more risque life than we ever had because of the means that they have of social media and internet and things like that. The caliber of shows has gone exponential. I think we also do a lot of taking real life situations of power, of money, of success, and try to draw it in in a seductive way and looking for strong, hot men that we can be seduced, bringing up a real serious conversation about you know terrorists in... Israeli, gosh, and Palestinians and all of that good stuff, right? Like that's real stuff that's happening in the world today. We're drawn to that. And then it's seductive by making them attractive and strong and capable. Or you bring in some of the other examples, you know, Ruth. I mean, who couldn't identify with wanting to have that part of us that is Ruth-esque that could be so 
dangerous yet and seductive and manipulative and vicious. But you love her. But you love her. Because it's a part of us that we can't necessarily express. So we identify with that piece of it. And you do love her. And if they would have made her a typical man, right, with those characteristics, you wouldn't have been drawn to it. So mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of, there's one other element of it. I think we have to, they constantly have to keep up with the show ahead of them and make it a little bit more outlandish and a little bit more dangerous and a little bit more on the edge so that we stay excited because the things that used to get us excited now take a lot more to get us excited. I remember a zillion years ago when those type of shows were starting. I mean, I'm talking a zillion years ago, 24, right? So mm-hmm. keep the in and all that. And now 24 is like the little infant baby. And I used to have to like pace around the block. (laughs) Now 24 has turned into Homeland, which has turned into Fauda, which has turned into, you know. Catching the new high. Yeah, it is. It's like chasing a high. And I don't know, again, if that's the unpolishedness in me. I love it and I enjoy it. And it is my detox and my decompression. And, you know, the news channels are still going to be there when I wake up in the morning and such is life. And and there we are. But it it is a great release. I love talking about television as day class say, as it may sound. This is where we're at now. And thank God for the Netflix and the Hulus and the Amazon Primes and and. Apple TV even. How about that? If I don't know if you have it, yep. but you know, I think they run all these specials where it's kind of like, it's free, but you still have to give me your credit card. We're not going to charge you, but then maybe they do. But the morning show, you know, that quasi show about, you know, the Matt Lauer situation and all that. Yep. I was drawn in. I loved it. thought it was great. I think sometimes going back to two more points, and, and then I think we need to end is that we like seeing other people's wreckage don't we? There's sometimes comfort in seeing other people going through things that are worse than us, that we can be a support for them while they're being a support for us. And then also looking at it as chasing the next high. In so many ways, this has become our drug while we're in COVID, right? It soothes our anxiety. It allows us to escape. It takes away the weight of the world off of our shoulders. So in many ways, it's serving its function. And I would much rather see at least somebody that I'm working with watching some TV than taking an actual drug or gambling or some other dangerous behavior. So again, everything in moderation, but it is sometimes good to be able to laugh and cry and celebrate and really connect. It's not such a bad thing all the time. Well, good. And we're getting it right a little bit. And this wreckage, it's fun wreckage to break down. I get off when people call or text and say, what episode are you on? And can we talk about it? And it is that that's kind of become our pastime during a time where we can't go back to, you know, what we talked about in, in the beginning of the session, you know, those, those true cultural things, like we're not going to physical movie theaters, or we're not going to the Met and other museums and things of that nature. So it's become a real unpolished way to find some levity and humor and a little bit of culture within the screen on the wall to get us by. So I'm excited about that. And if there's any other suggestions you have, definitely let me know. Anyone out there, email us. Yeah, let us know. Unpolished. What are we, Lori? Unpolishedtherapy.com. Well, that's the website. You can find us on polishedtherapy.com or you can email us. I'm pretty sure we have an email. Yes, unpolishedtherapy at gmail. Okay. So if you have any suggestions or anything you guys want us to help you break the wreckage down with, I mean, Lori's going to break most of it down. I'm kind of just going to come along for the ride and, you know, ride shotgun with her. 
I love chatting with you, Lori. You're always the best. And I guess we should go now because we have a lot of Netflix to catch up on. There you go. Thank you. All right, guys. See you next time. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.